It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of the Yankees Magazine Podcast. I'm John Schwartz. I'm the deputy editor for Yankees Magazine. Joining me on the phone right now, we have our chief photographer, senior photography editor, Ariel Goldman-Hecht. Hey, Ari. Hello. And of course, we have our executive editor, Nathan Makaborski. Hey, guys. How are we doing? How we're doing? I- I'll speak for myself first. Doing pretty good. Got some sleep last night. We are recording this on Wednesday. The Yankees are now up one game to nothing on the Cleveland Guardians after a 4-1 to one victory on Tuesday night. Guys, it's hard to believe a little bit, but we haven't had a postseason game at Yankee Stadium since October of 2019, and it, it just felt so good to hear the crowd the way it was and feel... I would say the very, very slightly chilly air because it was actually beautiful uh, last night. I don't think we're going to get too many more beautiful nights here, but it's the postseason and it just feels right when you're at a baseball game at Yankee Stadium in October. I agree that the stadium was alive last night. The weather was absolutely incredible. And, you know, just being back at home to host the first ALDS game was awesome. And the pregame ceremony, you know, it was something new that they did this year that I thought was absolutely incredible and just got the crowd even more into it um, from the get-go. Yeah, there was a lot of people talking about that. It was kind of almost, I said to John, it was almost kind of like a, a concert atmosphere when you know the lights go down and you're waiting for the band to come out on stage. Um, I think it definitely got the crowd hyped and not that they needed any more uh, added incentive, but uh, they were rocking there in the first inning. The ovation that uh, Garrett Cole got when he came out in the first inning and, and got his first strikeout. I mean, people were on their feet and they were loud from the get-go and uh, the Yankees gave them plenty of reasons to to stay loud uh, throughout the game. So we're obviously going to use this time to talk obviously about last night. We're going to talk a little bit about what we might expect from Thursday and of course the rest of the series. But, but the other thing we want to do is it's kind of amazing that we were able to corral Ari for this time, because I think it's the one moment in the last like two months that she's not on the road chasing around Aaron judge and hanging out with Roger Maris Jr. And everything like that. Ari was there for the entirety of the end game, if you will, of Aaron judges, incredible home run chase. So I, I definitely want to hear some stories from that experience but Nate, I, I think you just nailed it in a lot of ways because the one thing that struck me in the Tuesday night game was obviously in those first few innings, you know, Garrett's pitch count was pretty high. But one thing he was doing on every single batter basically is at some point he was getting to two strikes because there were so many foul balls and it was just every single one of them from no outs in the first inning until obviously with the bases loaded for a couple of at bats that were pretty hairy there in the third inning. Every single time there were two strikes on a batter it sounded like the bottom of the ninth inning. It, it was just so loud in there. And again, that's stuff that you you expect from a postseason game. That's certainly stuff that we remember from Yankee Stadium back in the years, but we haven't had it in a while. And it's just different when 
in 2020, you play all of your postseason games on the road. And in 2021, your postseason lasts three hours at Fenway Park. I, I mean, this is kind of how it's, you know, what you expect. This is kind of what you want. And it really just played out as well as anyone could have hoped. It was good to see him go out in, in the first, you know, Yankee home game in front of fans in the postseason um, and deliver that kind of performance. Yeah, no doubt. You know, they they play that uh, Star Wars Death Star siren noise when you get uh, two strikes and two outs. And, you know, Garrett had the funny line at the beginning of the year about it sounding like a pregnant whale or something. And I, I feel like we heard that pregnant whale every inning that he was in the game last night. Um, he was just constantly uh, putting himself in good counts. And, um, you know, it was just a really mature veteran leader-like performance out of him. You know, I, I feel like sometimes during the season uh, he'll have a good game where he's just pumping 100-mile-an-hour fastballs by guys. And, you know, with the way the crowd was so amped, I guess I was kind of expecting him to sort of feed off of that and, and pitch like that last night. But it really wasn't that. It was a lot of breaking stuff. Um, you know, he had at bats. Uh, I remember one against Jose Ramirez where, you know, he didn't throw him a single fastball. Uh, I don't have my notes from the game in front of me, but I, I think I remember jotting down like of his eight strikeouts, I think seven of them, uh, the final pitch was on a breaking ball. So it was just a really impressive showing by him. I thought of not getting too wrapped up in the moment, able to, dial it back in some ways and stay focused and poised and and lean on his, his slider and his knuckle curve and uh just a really really impressive performance in a lot of ways in my eyes i thought that um uh there's a conscious effort there to uh be a little more disciplined to the breaking ball at the beginning of the third inning um so he's uh uh Switch gears either in some situations to a different breaking ball uh, or find a different way uh, to get strike one. Um, and then we had, once we had a lead, then we just tried to play with it. All right, so Nate and I, and, and I guess to the listeners here, Nate and I were watching from literally the second to last row of the upper deck in right field. You had a slightly better view than we did because obviously you like to perch yourself in the photo well right next to the Yankees dugout. Uh, I think, and sometimes, sometimes on the other side, but too. But, but my question for you is: There's so much talk in in the lead up to these postseason games and after the postseason game, obviously, about the players saying, you know, we just got to treat it like it's any other game. We got to treat it like it's any other game. And I think you would know better than any of us because you're literally there. Does it look like any other game when you're standing right next to them in the photo well? Do they seem the same way they seem in, you know, mid-May? Yeah, I mean, I think everyone seemed pretty relaxed considering it is, you know, the playoffs and October baseball. I didn't see anything, you know, from where I was standing that seemed to implicate anything else or just – a lot of these guys have been here too, you know, I think the other side of the field, it's a much younger team, but a lot of these guys have been here before. I think a lot of these guys were probably excited to have it at home. And the biggest thing for me, or the biggest takeaway was just the fans. I mean, the fans were in it, like every at bat, every pitch, they were, you know, just, you know, that definitely from my sense is motivation for these guys. Um, but everyone's pretty 
calm, cool, and collected. It was so funny for me. Uh, one of one of my favorite people around the team is Marlon Abreu, who's the uh, a team's uh, Spanish interpreter. And, and just for a little backstory here, Marlon used to be our IT guy, and I love Marlon. Marlon would always save the day when I would have computer issues before he took on this job. But on Monday during batting practice, I'm standing on the field and we're chatting, and I love Marlon, and we, we chat a lot. And at one point, out of pure ignorance, because I hadn't even looked ahead, I asked him if he had any idea what the forecast looked like in Cleveland for this weekend. And he looks at me and he just goes, just one day at a time, man, just thinking about today. Yeah. <laughs> and I said to him, I'm just like, Marlon, you know, you interpret for these guys. You don't have to be these guys. <laughs> it's okay for you to look at a forecast. Maybe we don't want necessarily Anthony Rizzo looking at a forecast, but it's okay. But I think that it's just, there's such buy-in down there that this is kind of the postseason and we just got to take this one day at a time. And that extends from our starting right fielder who just hit 62 home runs all the way down to the Spanish language interpreter who is around these guys. And I, I think just kind of takes in that whole mentality. I mean, it's true because I mean, I guess the way for me personally is everything starts over in the playoffs. Like you can have, you know, like the Dodgers, a hundred, whatever, 109, what was their final, you 111. know, one eleven. but to have a couple bad days and you're out of it. So starting for the playoffs, everything starts over again, in my opinion, but it is one day at a time because it's a five game series. Now it's whoever plays the best of those, you know, five games, whether it's three and you're out or four and that's when the series ends, but you kind of have to just take it baby steps. Cause also, you know, you don't want to get in your head about it. I mean, even as a photographer, I overthink these things like crazy, but sometimes you just have to go with the flow of what's going on and just let things kind of unfold in front of you. Aaron Boone was asked in the post-game press conference last night if it was, you know, how important is it to, to get that first win in, in a short best-of-five series? And he said, look, you know, you got to win three games. When they come, doesn't matter. You just got to get to three. Look, it's, it's hard to win playoff games. It's certainly really good to get the first one at home. It, sure, it's it's nice to get that first one, but however you get to three is all that matters. And um, I was glad to hear you say that, you know, you, from your vantage point, the dugout kind of still looked the same uh, during the postseason as it does during the regular season. Because I, I think that's an important factor in all this. You know, one of the things that kind of stood out to me yesterday was all the the newcomers. There, there was four guys in that game last night who had never played in a postseason game before for the Yankees. And a fifth one, Harrison Bader, who had played in the postseason but never in pinstripes and all five of those guys had meaningful contributions to the victory. And I think that, you know, I, I think the guys, the veterans who have been there before and done that and, and, you know, been through these, you know, battles the last four or five years where we, you know, get into the playoffs, but fall short of the world series, they really set the right kind of tone. And uh, everybody understands that, you know, it's, this is October. This is what we play for, but, they still seem really focused and just kind of going about their business the same way they did all year when they won 99 games and won the AL East. That's the spine, you know, of everything I got going on here. That's the foundation. You know, ex experience um, is tremendously important. There's no doubt about it. Having been there at some point, having felt it, having messed up, having succeeded, having this just roller coaster of emotions through experience that you gained in this game, regular season, postseason, World Series, whatever it might be. Um, it, it allows guys who haven't been there before to kind of lean on you. And that's what I experienced over in St. Louis with Yachty, with Wayno, 
you know, those guys carried us because of their experience. You can say the same thing about the veterans in this clubhouse. And this wasn't just tonight. This has been in the making all, all regular season. Has there been ups and downs? Um, and again, it's just really important to focus. This is the same exact game. There might be a little bit of noise, but it's the same exact game. We have the same exact ability, um, and, and we, have, we take the same exact preparation in going out there and, and winning a baseball game. There's nothing on that field that anybody in that clubhouse hasn't seen or felt before. Um, so when you have that, especially when things go and get tough, which they will, no doubt, um, it's nice to have veterans to, to lead on, for sure. You don't have to change things up. Just go out and, and play your game. And uh, I think that the new guys, you know, whether it's uh, – you know, IKF making some nice plays in the field or, you know, Oswaldo Cabrera with that big catch out in left field. You know, Trevi calling a great game behind the plate. He had the sack fly. You know, Wandy coming in, doing a great job out of the bullpen. I thought that was so huge. They all just came in and they weren't overwhelmed by the moment. They didn't try to do more than they're expected to do. And uh, it turned out to be a great night for the team. Nate, I, I agree with you so much. I really think that the Bader home run was incredible, obviously, because it came right after the Guardians took the lead. And I, I don't want to say it took the energy out of the stadium because it didn't, but it could have. If that 1-0 lead endures a little bit, then suddenly the end starts approaching kind of quickly. Taking care of the baseball is really big in these games. Um, and answering back kind of shifts momentum. You, know, you, have a, you saw some good defensive plays that, you know, that Ozzy made, a couple, you know, double plays that um, allowed us to, to retain the momentum. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think momentum is a large part in it, and it's up to the whoever's, you know, attacking um, aggressively to, to try to shift it the best you can. That home run was incredible by Harrison Bader, but just as big, I thought, the top of the inning there when he cuts off that ball mm -hmm. in, in the gap and is able to keep Rosario on third. But you also mentioned it. I mean, so that was huge, obviously, because that run doesn't end up scoring. I thought one of the most remarkable at-bats of the game was uh, Jose Trevino's sack fly because in his first at-bat, and I'm not trying to be a jerk. I, I don't know what to say. The first at-bat was horrible. I mean, it was a three-pitch strikeout where he just looked so overmatched. And it's his first postseason game ever, and obviously he's done a lot this year. But who knows? <laughs> and... His second at-bat immediately, just again, right away. So he, he saw three pitches in his first at-bat, second at-bat, right away, 0-2. And uh, you're just kind of thinking, like, uh, uh, maybe the moment is actually too big. Maybe we finally found a moment too big for Jose Trevino. And then he just, just launches that ball, does exactly what he has to do, just puts it in the outfield, gets a quick runner in. And it, it was just so massive in, in the sense of, I don't, again, I, I never felt like it was the game was teetering. I never really felt like it was on the wire. I thought Garrett Cole, especially after the third inning, was just amazing and, and had things in control. But that's just a, a little sack fly. But I, I just thought the at-bat was just so huge in turning around kind of that narrative that you're talking about there, Nate, about just some of these guys who haven't had this experience. And instead of the moment looking too big for them, it's just exactly capitalizing on exactly what you had to do. The, the veterans who have been there and done that obviously still played a big role. You know, Garrett Cole, first and foremost. Uh, I thought the game was kind of teetering there for a second in the in the third because... Oh, sure, sure, sorry. I apologize. In the third, it was absolutely teetering. I'm saying later, by the time the Yankees tied it, it just kind of felt like that moment had passed a little bit. But sorry, go on. And then, of course, you know, Rizzo with the huge two-run home run that, you know, really was the 
big difference in the game. And then, you know, the guy that had the obviously the, the greatest season of, of anybody on the team, probably anybody in the league this year, Aaron Judge, you know, didn't do a ton at the plate, but I do feel like just his presence, I mean, there had there had to be a, a ripple effect from just having him there in that, you know, number one spot in the lineup because think about it, you know, the two home runs came from the guy batting immediately before him and the nine spot and Harrison Bader with the game tying homer and then Rizzo out of the two spot right after him. So, um, you know, just as, uh, you know, John Carlos Stanton kind of uh, explains to, to us for the, you know, September st- cover story when he was talking about pitchers getting nervous when, when a guy like Judge is up and, you know, letting down their guard a little bit to the guy right before him, knowing that Judge is coming up next or, you know, maybe you strike Judge out, you exhale a little bit and then boom, you know, Rizzo takes you deep. Uh, I, I think even though he didn't, you know, get any hits last night, I think Judge's uh, presence definitely had an impact on the game. Yeah, but that's what you want, too, is you want other guys to kind of step up and contribute and be, you know, the story, too, because it can't all fall on, you know, one player. And I think we saw that last night. I mean, everyone contributed between Cole and having an unbelievable outing, Rizzo's home run, Bader's at bat where he had the home run. It's always, it's a good sign when you get a, a home run out of your number nine hitter. Yeah. And I don't, I don't know if that was his first. Was that his first home run with us? It was. Yeah. Yeah. Not not a not a bad time to get it. And Rizzo has home runs in his first two Yankees postseason games. So he'll go for three. We'll, we'll take it. And then, yeah, Cabrera's play in left field. I mean, you know, because it wasn't a perfect game by any stretch. You know, there was a couple errors that took place. But overall, I mean, it, it was a lot of it was it was a team win there. And, you know, it, it's it's exciting times for sure. If there's one thing that we all know from our years of being around the sport, from our years of watching the sport, when you hit the postseason, the only thing that matters is what happened last night. So the Yankees are now leading one game to nothing. And I'm not trying to be Debbie Downer here, but if the Yankees lose in game two, it's an entirely different series. And frankly, we've seen that happen. We, we, we've seen, you know, the everything be roses and rainbows and happy and wonderful after game ones. And then the series can change quickly after game two. What I love as we move forward to looking a little bit at the next game, and obviously it's scheduled for Thursday night. The weather does not look great, so we'll see. But but as we start looking forward to that, one thing that strikes me, they're very different, obviously. I mean, they're both lefties. They both, in a lot of ways, aren't shaped like your normal pitcher. But Nestor has a lot of CC in him, where Garrett Cole thrives on being max intensity get away from me. I can't even stand to be, you know, held back for one second or else I'm going to lose my mind out here. The entire game, he just looked angry and annoyed and it works for him. That's how he pitches. Whereas Nestor, if you see him walking around the clubhouse and everything like that, he just looks like it's spring training. And I always remember with CeCe, CeCe was the only guy who on days he would start would just be like holding court with people because he didn't care. Nothing was too precious. And I think Nestor's a lot like that. So I don't know what Nestor is going to be able to do in game two what I can tell you is whatever happens it will not be because he's too nervous or he's not ready for the moment I mean he just looks exactly like he does at all times and I think that's a really really good thing as you approach game two here yeah I mean even on days he's pitching he's on the field for batting practice just hanging out laughing I mean he's 
the same guy, no matter if he's pitching that day or if he's on the bench cheering on his teammates. And he's, he's a fun guy to watch. And John, for you and I, just like a side note with Nestor is, you know, we saw him in the fall league. um, When was that? 2016. It's 2016. It was while the Cubs were winning the world series for you. So it it was, it's pretty cool to see his rise as a kind of like a, a side note there. And he's, he's always been the same guy from back during the fall league, fall league days to, you know, him being the nester that everyone else has seen now. It's, it's, it's awesome. One of the guys who has, who saw that in nester way back when, when he was in the fall league and coming up through the minors uh, was a, a coach in the Yankee system by the name of Jose Rosado. And uh, when nester kind of burst on, you know, blew up at the beginning of this year, I wrote a story about him and I, I spoke to Jose who's now coaching in Korea. And he said, you know, don't be surprised to see him doing this in October as well, because he's just, he's, he's equipped mentally for, for this, you know, kind of thing. Like he doesn't succumb to pressure. He's, it just, it doesn't affect him. So, uh, you know, I think we all have really high hopes for Nestor. Uh, he's just been so great this year. And, uh, John, I, I don't know that I would say I thought that Garrett was angry last night, but I don't know. He looked, he just looked very poised to me. Like the way he, I don't know, he, he kind of, I, I know what you're saying. Like the way he sort of just owned the mound, like he kind of, the, the, the tension would ratchet up and he would just sort of like, you know, stalk to the back of the mound and pick up the rosin bag and then hop back on the rubber. And it just looked like, there was no way he was going to let that game get out of his control last night. And hopefully, uh, you know, hopefully Nestor can can control game two the way that Garrett did in game one. Oh, for sure. And I agree with you. And, I, and I'm not saying I, I, I spoke to Garrett a lot about this last year, and he kind of helps me understand his aim is to be right at the precipice of under control. Like he wants to be as close to out of control in a sense as he can get while still being effective. And so you're right. There are times he's stalking around the mound and things like that. But there are also times that he's just standing there foot on the rubber as the batter's doing his thing, just staring at the batter the entire time saying like, I'm get in there. I'm about to throw a pitch that you just can't hit. But he, he just has this scowl on him that again, it, it's just so different from Nestor. And that's one of the things I love about baseball is that they have the exact same job. They just can do it totally differently. But it, it's just, this is what we love. I mean, this is, if, if you're, asking for how how you know you you can script a series right here you know this this might sound silly because of course you want Giancarlo Stanton and Aaron Judge to hit seven home runs apiece in the course of a 49 to one victory let's say but the the Yankees got a win with very little offensive contribution from their biggest bats yesterday and I don't think that's going to happen for the entire series I don't think that Judge Stanton Torres are going to be held down in that way for the entire series. And that's a great sign. And that's something to look forward to, I, I think. I thought they were in every pitch tonight, and what a wonderful experience to have them behind us. I just, sometimes when you you feel the crowd or the energy, um, you know, it, it sometimes can become a little easier just to quiet things down because it's so loud. I don't know if that makes sense, but it does to me. So just what a what a great atmosphere and it was my dad's birthday today and so it was it was a good day. 
I think that's a good place to, to take a quick break before we move on to our next segment, which is talking about Aaron Judge. So we're going to come back and we're going to talk about Judge's incredible home run chase. And of course, right alongside him, following be close behind our photographer, Ari Goldman Hecht. So stay with us and we'll be right back. Hi, this is Garrett Cole. You're listening to the Yankees Magazine Podcast. Hi, this is Aaron Judge. You're listening to the Yankees Magazine Podcast. Welcome back to the Yankees Magazine Podcast. I am John Schwartz. I'm still here with Nate Mekaborski and Ari goldman Hecht. So one thing that I've been thinking a lot about as we kind of waited those five, six days, whatever, for the postseason to start, is that there, in some sense, the Yankees had the best possible situation over the last two weeks because... They clinched early. They were able to get some guys some rest. They were able to take down the pressure a little bit. While at the same time, because of what Judge was doing, the intensity of the games was still high. You still had a little bit of a playoff atmosphere. So that so much so that the game game one, it didn't feel like the first time that, you know, all the world was hinging on every at bat because they just went through that for a couple of weeks. Ari, no one saw that closer than you did. What was that experience like for you to see those guys kind of going through that and watching as Judge just pursued this thing? And, and, you know, one after another, even as it took a little bit longer than maybe anyone would have hoped. Yeah, I mean, so I obviously was home for all the home games. And then towards the end, I traveled to Toronto and Texas for the final stretch just to document what ended up being his 61st and 62nd home runs. Um, And, you know, you're at home. The stadium is alive, you know, almost as alive as it is during the playoffs. But for every at-bat, everyone's on their feet. Everyone is just cheering like crazy, waiting for those historic, you know, at-bats and home runs to happen. took a little longer than expected, but – you know, again, he seemed pretty calm, cool, collected when I saw him. I kind of, you know, was observing through my lens, but he seemed like the same person even through my lens and the, you know, few interactions we had um, over the last couple weeks of the season. Um, but in Toronto, in Texas, I mean, there was Blue Jays fans in Toronto. There was Rangers fans in Texas, but everyone was everyone was an Aaron Judge fan at his at-bats. I mean, you weren't hearing boos. It was just the stadiums on the road were alive. Again, everyone on their feet just waiting for these historic moments to happen. And you can script how you want to shoot it, but the truth is, is you can't anticipate, you know, where the ball is going to go, how he's going to react. So in New York... I had Jess and Hannah, who are my photo team, and I just cover as many angles as possible for his at-bats. And we ended up getting 60, which was a huge at-bat and a game that we were down. And in Toronto, I was with Ryan Callahan, who runs our social, just each at-bat jumping to this one location. So we had easy access onto the field to you know, get him coming in. And then in Texas, I was hiding next to the ball girl and one of the security guys on the third base side, again, like waiting to jump on the field to get him coming around. And it was pretty amazing as, as a photographer, you know, it's something that I'll cherish forever that I got to document this history. 
but also as a mother, it's like something, you know, I'm leaving behind for my kids that, you know, my photos will be part of the archives of this historic moment and something that I don't take for granted at all because I've spent so many times going through our archives and looking at these historic moments and, you know, kind of in those moments, it takes you to like the beauty of the game and how something so current can also be so nostalgic just because it's a record that hadn't been broken for so long. And I mean, Nathan, I feel like you probably feel the same way in that we've gone through our archives and looked at so many photos of, you know, Maris's 61 season and then, you know, Maris and Mantle and those names are synonymous with Yankees and Yankees history. And now, you know, Aaron judges, you know, 2022 season will be a part of Yankees history that will be talked about for a long time. And my photos are going to be part of that history in the Yankees archive. Absolutely. Ari, the photos that you took in the last month are going to be viewed a hundred years from now, you know, when somebody, uh, who is, you know, not even <laughs> who is decades, decades away from being born is going to be writing a story for Yankees magazine in the year, you know, 2120 or something. And they're going to need a photo of Aaron judge from the year he hit 62 home runs. Uh, they're going to go and grab your photo. So that's a really cool thing. And it's, you know, like you said, it's part of what makes, uh, being part of this organization so special. And, uh, I was just struck by so much of the symmetry involved with everything. You know, it's like, I'll go back to the, the story I wrote for September where I kind of sort of predicted how the end of the season, what it would look like for Aaron judge, just based on how September of 1927 looked for Babe Ruth and how September of 1961 looked for Roger Maris. And, you know, just some of the little tidbits, some of the little anecdotes that I, you know, read about and, and recounted in my story about, you know, the Yankee stadium crowd booing the opposing pitcher for walking Ruth on four pitches or, um, you know, Babe Ruth's kin uh, being there to congratulate Roger Maris when he broke Babe Ruth's record. We actually saw history repeat itself this year with Aaron Judge. I just think that's so cool and it's so awesome that we all got to witness it. You know, hearing that, it's just, it's crazy to think about how how similar it is. I mean, you know, the the Maris kids were along for like a good chunk of the last couple weeks of the season and, you know, to congratulate him and, you know, in Toronto, Roger Maris's one son was there with um, Patty Judge, Aaron's mom, and, you know, they're they had a moment outside the clubhouse after he was done with some of the on-field press stuff he had to do post-game. And it, it was just like a moment that was so special to be able to witness. And, you know, again, it's it's something that's now part of the Yankees history that we had a front row seat to. I mean, even though you guys weren't down in the photo wells, you still were there for like a chunk of those at-bats. And you're right. I mean, the the booze from the crowd when Judgey would get walked, you know, it's just... Forget about get walked when he would, like, hit a single. I know, would... I know. He, yeah. he would get booed. I forget who it was. Someone, oh, Higgy. Higgy, after, like, won a bat, was like, can you believe, like, he's getting booed for a double? I mean, it's just like... <laughs> I forget which at bat. It was something at home, but he was like... Everyone was 
on pins and needles, standing at the top of the dugout stairs along the whole dugout bar, waiting for every at bat. And then, you know, everyone would would leave in between the at bats and come back for the next at bat. But like, I mean, he brought such life to everywhere he went on the road. And whether you were a Yankee fan or not, you know, any, any baseball fan, any person who appreciates the history of the game appreciated every at bat he had the past few weeks of the regular season. It was so special. And, and like you guys, again, I, I wasn't nearly as close to the whole thing as you were, Ari. I was not there for 61. I was not there for 62. As I mentioned in the last episode, 62, I was at synagogue, so I didn't even see it um, until much later. John and I were back in the office at Yankee Stadium, like rewriting and redoing the uh, the cover story and the cover for October with every home run. Many, many times. But that is what I was going to say is, unfortunately, just the way it went, obviously, you know, for all your work, you know, we didn't use any of your pictures in um, our, our October issue because it all happened well, too of, late. Of 62. Of 62. No, no, sure, sure, sure. Is, Of 62. The but the October issue is out now. It is the ALDS program. And the cover, it's just amazing. Ari, you have basically the contact on 61. And uh, there's an incredible story in there, a cover story by Al Sanasiri, just kind of about the same things that you were trying to document of kind of putting into both historical context, but also explaining the immediacy and and, and on the ground stuff of what was going on as he hit these. But I, I can't imagine, Ari, how exhausting the whole thing was. I can't imagine how frustrating it could be. I know that you have no control over your life every year in the month of October. Usually, though, September, you get to <laughs> prepare for that a little bit more. But then you pick up our Again, not to keep repeating the same thing, but everything that we do, we like to think that it becomes part of the historical record. And I think that it says it goes even a little further when you're talking about our 2022 ALDS program. And and the cover shot of that, Ari, for all the work you put in, for all the frustration, for all the times you were away from your kids, from all the things you missed, there's also contact on 61 and i don't want to speak for you i don't want to say oh that makes everything worth it that may i don't know but it just from my perspective i'm so glad you were there i'm so glad we have that i'm so glad the yankees have that as part of their historical record and i'm so glad that the people who are coming to the stadium looking for a souvenir can can buy that shot because what could be a better story of what yankees fans love and what yankees fans celebrate and what the 2022 season was yeah, I mean, it's again, it's something I'm very proud of and honored that I was able to be there and, you know, had the little bit of extra access that I get being in the position I'm in. I have a very supportive husband who held the home front um, and did a lot of carpools and covered all the activities while I was away in the army around me at home. But, you know, it, it's something that I wanted to be there for, despite the frustration of being on the road earlier than I anticipated. And, you know, I have a great relationship with Aaron. So that's part of it too, is wanting to be there for, for him and documenting it. Time really does go by fast because the fact that this is six years after his debut just seems crazy to me, but it's something that I feel like since I jumped from that into the playoffs, I haven't had time to really step back and digest everything that's happened the past couple weeks so i think when things die down in november (laughs) i'll be able to kind of take a step back and take it all in a little bit more and 
Yeah, no, no, no one's allowed to talk to Ari in November. November's going to be Ari's time. <laughs> <laughs> Ari, you alluded to the, the access that you have as a Yankees photographer, and yeah. I know you were there in the clubhouse in Texas after Aaron got number 62. And, you know, that's a, a pretty special room to be in. And, you know, some of the images that stick out in my mind the most from Roger Maris getting to 61 are those uh, post-game scenes in the locker room with uh, – you know, him getting the ball or, or letting the guy who caught it, Sal Durante, keep the ball. You know, how would you just sort of describe Aaron Judge's, I don't know, demeanor after finally getting the record? Because he's such a team-oriented guy, and this is such a singular pursuit. So it, it's kind of a, a strange feeling, I guess. I mean, was he celebratory? Was he kind of subdued? What were your just sort of observations either through your lens or, or just being in the room about how he was in the in the moments with his team after getting 62 yeah I mean I think you nailed it I mean he's such a team player I mean obviously this is a huge personal milestone he, he's such a, a humble person and he's all about the team and I think that was my takeaway is that you know he, he appreciates and he's happy that he did it and you know I think he kind of was able to like relax a little after it was done. Not that he ever seems like he's not relaxed to me, but I think he was able to relax a little bit more. The thing is, on the road, the media, it, there were so many more media members on the field and around him. And, you know, I, I think that that can be a lot too. And I'm not even the one who was being followed, but, you know, when you have all these cameras on you, all these eyes on you all the time, again, He's calm, cool, collected, but it's got to add on to the stress of, you know, what you're trying to accomplish on the field. Um, so I think he was able to relax a little in that moment that he had with his team in the clubhouse, you know, and his thing besides his recognition of the team was also recognizing Garrett Cole, who had broke um, Gator's strikeout record, um, which, you know, he he recognized that immediately before he started speaking about, you know, how grateful he is for his teammates and them recognizing his accomplishment, which, again, is a testament to him being such a team player. That's how it is. That's how it's been since, like you said, Ari, since we've first met him in the minors for some of us. And then obviously since the world really first saw him in August of 2016 and certainly all this year, Ari, no one does a better job of taking people behind the scenes and really showing them what it all looks like, what the preparation looks like during spring training, what the what the real work looks like than what you're able to do in our magazine. And I know that we are grateful for that. And I know that we have heard that our readers are grateful for it too. And honestly, I, <laughs> I think the Judge family also appreciates it. So good job, always. Uh, we look forward to getting you some time when this month is over, home with your family, uh, but uh, not too soon. Not too soon. So obviously, uh, just to reset here, we're recording this. The Yankees are up one game to nothing. Game two scheduled for Thursday night tonight, whatever you want to call it. We'll see what the weather has to say about that. Ari and Nate, you guys are, whatever happens, whenever game two is played, you are headed to Cleveland for games three. And if there's a four, game four. And we, in the meantime, when when you get back, when whatever, we are going weekly during the postseason, as we always do. Hopefully, that lasts for a very long time. And hopefully, we go weekly uh, up until 
you know, the first week of November. But whatever it is, you can't ask for a better start to the postseason than the Yankees had in game one. That only means anything if they win games two and three. So let's not celebrate yet. And I don't think the team is, but certainly there's only one way you want to start things. And that's the way the Yankees did. Nate and I got to bring a juju with us to Cleveland now after game two. Come back with some wins. What do you say? Or at least one win. And to all of you, thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Yankees Magazine Podcast. It is an absolute joy to be talking about postseason baseball, to go into postseason baseball games, and I hope that you are getting as much enjoyment listening to it. By all means, if you're not already subscribed, please do it. I don't know why you haven't. I don't know why you're listening to this if you haven't subscribed. That really doesn't make any sense, but go ahead and do it anyhow. Go to yankees.com slash podcast or to the podcast app of your choice. Of course, also read all of our long-form content including, no doubt, no surprise, plenty of coverage about Aaron Judge. We also have some great stories coming up from our October issue, a story about Oswaldo Cabrera, a story about Matt Carpenter, a a piece about, of course, Derek Jeter and his return to Yankee Stadium last month. That's all going to be coming online this month, so make sure to check that out at yankees.com slash magazine. We always want to hear from you. Let us know what you want us to talk about. Let us know what we're talking about wrong. Let us know whose voice you do like and whose voice you don't like. Uh, you can email us at podcast at yankees.com. And of course, make sure to follow us on social media. Get us on Twitter at Yanks Magazine. And of course, on Facebook at Yankees Magazine. It's a great place to stay up to date with everything we're doing and to know what's coming next. And certainly, we would love for you to subscribe to the magazine as well. You can do that by visiting yankees.com slash publications or by calling 800 go Yanks. Thanks so much. See you next time. Good luck to the Yankees in the ALDS. And we'll speak to you soon. Hey, this is Giancarlo Stan. If you like what you're hearing, why don't you rate and review us? And while you're at it, tell your friends to subscribe. Thanks so much, and go Yankees.